listening to The Fret Files, the Guitar Workshop Podcast with Eric Daw. To participate in the show, go to my website, ericdaw.com. That's E-R-I-C-D-A-W dot com. Click on the contact link and submit your question or comment there. I'll use it as part of the show. The other way to do it is to call or text 757-774-8482. Leave your voicemail there and I'll use that as part of the show. And now, the Fret Files Podcast. Yes, indeed. Welcome to the Fret Files Podcast. My name is Eric Daw, your guitar scientist with over 20 years of experience building and repairing guitars. This is a podcast about, yes, you guessed it, guitar repair, guitar building, guitar news, guitar science, and guitar opinions. Sitting beside me is my lovely wife and co-host, Melissa. This is a question and answer episode where we will respond to listener-submitted emails. I will read the questions and Eric will try to answer them. That's how it works. We have a lot of good questions today. We have a call that we will take. We have questions about strap buttons, questions about fret ends, questions about pickups, questions about wax potting pickups, questions about cracks in acoustic guitars. Oh my goodness, so many good questions. So it's it's October uh-huh. 2018. Traditionally, we do a horror story uh, special episode yep. around Halloween, um, and uh, I don't. I think we're going to skip that this year. Aww. I think I'm going to do an interview next episode, oh. but it's probably going to be a short interview, like a half an hour. So the other half hour, we can do uh, we can do half of an episode of horror stories. So if you have a horror story that you would like to submit. Maybe a guitar that got smashed or a, a repair gone wrong or the, the horrible repair that you had to undo. Whatever kind of guitar-related horror story that you have that you'd like to submit, please send it along and we'll use it next next uh, episode. You can do that by going to my website, ericdaw.com. Click the contact button and submit it there. The other way to do it, if you want to leave a message... Dial 757-774-8482. And with that, let's get to the show, shall we? Yeah. Uh, what's on your bench? Well, I've been working on mostly custom builds. Uh, you know, I've done, I've been doing a lot of repairs and uh, custom builds, but really cranking out the custom builds, it's kind of a, there's kind of a rush going on. A, a bunch of people decided to buy themselves some nice guitars for Christmas and... Uh, <laughs> So I need to get all these guitars done by Christmas. There you go. I just finished. I wish I could tell you about it. Maybe I'll tell you about it next episode. Someone secretly ordered a guitar for someone else. And uh, I know that they listen to the podcast, so I can't really talk about it. Oh, dear. Is I'm it I'm sending you? it out tomorrow. Oh, my gosh. I'm sending it out tomorrow. So soon... There will be a brand new custom guitar that I've made, and 
in some unsuspecting player's hands. And it's one of you, lovely It's listeners. one of you people. Could it be you? <laughs> uh, so that's what I've been working on mostly is custom builds, but uh, I've had some fun repairs. You know, it's that time of year. Guitars are cracking, so I've been working on... I always hate to do it because it's it's just sad when these guitars crack, but I've been working on a lot of under-humidified acoustic guitars that need uh, crack repair. Mm. Yeah. That's that's a that's a a seasonal thing. So keep those guitars humidified. And uh, I've also been rewinding a lot of pickups. So keep sending me your pickups. If you need rewinds, you can go to my website and read all about that there. That's ericdaw.com. Anyhow, we have something fun to read. I saw this online and I thought, what the heck? Let's add it to the show. Let's just uh, have a little bit of... Uh, uh, divergence here. Melissa, would you like to read this? This is the... It's almost like a David Letterman top ten list, except it's the top six. The top six pet peeves of every guitar repair technician by John Tyler Kent, and this is from Sonic Bids blog, which I have no... I have no idea what that is. Do you know what Sonic Bids is? I've never heard of it. I'm sure they're very successful. I just... Uh, I'm, I have no idea. John Tyler Kent. The top six pet peeves of every guitar repair technician. Number one. Number one, naggy customers. Hmm. Remember when you were a little kid and you would ask, are we there yet from the back seat to annoy your parents? Well, it seems that some people never grow out of that. When you bring a guitar into the shop for any sort of work, your tech will let you know when you can expect the work to be done. Please don't be that guy who calls every three hours asking if the work is done yet. The date you're given is the date you should expect the work to be done by. Surprise. Uh, Sometimes you get lucky and the tech gets to your guitar early. What a pleasant surprise. And it should be just that. A surprise. Your tech will call you if the work gets done early. Climb out of the car seat and learn some patience. Wow. This is snarky. Uh, no, I agree. I guess it's it, it it's true. But it goes the other way. You know, if you're a customer and your, your guitar tech is keeping your guitar for a lot longer than he said he would, then... Well, I wouldn't call that being a naggy customer. I'd... No, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying it goes both ways. It, it It's... it's uh, you know, I, because that's a story I hear from customers. People say, you know, I had this guitar. I, I took it down to a guy in, you know, Carburetor County, and he <laughs> uh, kept it for six months. He said he'd have it for two months, and then six months later, I finally went to get it, and he never even did the work. I hear this story all the time. Right. I never do that. I, at least I try not to. There's one repair that I have right now that I've had a little too long, but it's a, it's a pretty major restoration for a a close friend of mine and i think he i think we understand (laughs) what's going on with it but what i'm saying is it could go other it could could go you know either way when i first because i i pre-read this and when i first read it i didn't see that it was written by somebody else i thought you wrote it oh yeah and uh so now that you're playing devil's advocate i don't know what to do i don't know Well, that's the show, folks. (laughs) We don't know what to do. We have no clue. Uh, No, I agree. I guess, you know, it's my my nature to play devil's advocate to be, uh, you know, to be that way. I, you know, I agree with the guy's point. Yeah. Naggy customers are a pain. I'm sure 
that everyone in every industry would agree. I mean, have you ever worked retail? Many, many years, yes. Run into a few naggy customers? Yeah. Yeah, so that's fun. That's always fun. No, I get it. Yeah, naggy customers. Number two. Unnecessary problems. You bring in your guitar for a repair. Maybe it's because of a mysterious buzzing or humming that won't go away. Maybe you're not hearing anything at all. You explain the problem to the repair tech. He plugs it in and behold, everything works just fine. Confused? Surprised? Embarrassed? Good. You should be. (laughs) Eliminate a potentially unnecessary trip by doing some basic troubleshooting. Test your guitar with a different cable, plug it into a different amplifier, and for the love of all that is good in this world, please make sure your volume isn't all the way down. I almost never run into to that, but uh, yeah, I get it, uh, but it, that does happen a lot, you know, and the other thing to remember is that sometimes the problem is, is your playing, you know, people people have like this obsess obsession about about buzz about right. string buzz but they they attack the string like a grizzly bear swatting at a camper i don't know what that i don't know what that meant <laughs> i just read an article today about a guy that got mauled by a grizzly bear oh dear some some guy camping is he okay up in montana no he got mauled by a grizzly bear <laughs> he's, he's not okay i mean he's going to live but i don't i don't think he'll soon forget that encounter Jeez. Anyway, don't pluck your string like that. Uh, what I'm saying is, I don't know what I'm saying. Here's what I'm saying. Uh, th- sometimes the problem is the guitar. Sometimes the problem is you. Sometimes the problem is your your cable. Right. Do people call it a cable in Europe? You know, there's always different words for things. People say cord. C-O-R-D, you know, for guitar, instrument cord, instrument cable. Anyway, well, wouldn't it be C H O R D? Well, that's when you play a chord. That's oh, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Okay. I see. I'm talking about the chord that you plug into the guitar. Yeah. Number three, restringing guitars. If you're bummed out about the cost of having your guitar restrung every time you need a new set, maybe it's time to take the hint. Watch a five-minute-long YouTube video and learn to change your own strings. Techs aren't charging for this task because they're greedy. They're charging for it because it's time they could be using to do actual, valuable work. To some, this may seem like a no-brainer, but shockingly, there are people who have been playing for years without ever learning to do this very basic task for themselves. Of course, the first time you need new strings, you might need some help with it, and that's okay. Maybe even the next time after, you've tried yourself but not quite gotten the hang of it. But this is not something that should be a regular expense for you. You don't bring a car to a mechanic every time it needs gas. So stop bringing your guitar to a tech every time you need new strings. <laughs> this guy that, this John Tyler Kent fellow is really, he's got a, he's really got some sand in his craw. Well, you know what? He He's writing a, he's, yeah. the whole point of the article is is to, to have sand in your craw. I'm actually perfectly okay with restringing guitars i don't mind because it's easy money that's the way i look at it it takes me a few minutes and it's easy money and i don't mind doing it and how much do you charge for a guitar restring 30 bucks wow not including the strings uh that does not include the strings but it does include 
oiling the fingerboard if it's rosewood, and uh, I usually do like a just a real couple little minor adjustments if it needs it. It's not a full setup, but right, um, you know, clean polish and and tune and and it's a nice time for me to check, give the guitar a checkup, so I can say here's something to look out for. You've got some fret wear going on. Here's something to look out for. Your fret ends are a little bit getting sharp, you know? Mm-hmm. Anything like that. But here's the other thing. I've run into this a, a bunch of times. I know players who have a fleet of guitars, and they're wealthy. They don't want to restring their guitars. They bring them to me. <laughs> they, want, they want some guitar slinging lackey to do it for them they've got they've got lamborghinis to drive i don't know that doesn't happen that often but i've run into i've seen it before you know people if he he says here uh you don't take your car to a mechanic every time it needs gas no but you do take it to jiffy lube every time it needs oil yeah i can change my own oil i don't want to i'd rather pay them 30 bucks to do it I could absolutely do that, but my time is valuable, and uh, I don't mind paying 30 bucks to have somebody else do it. So it, I can see the other side of it. And like I said, I really don't mind restringing your guitar, and normally I'll just do it while you hang out with me, and I can show you how to do it if you don't know how to do it. So, so there's that. Number four, playing guessing games. Oftentimes, a tech will need to replace strings in the process of a setup or repair. In order to do that, he or she will need to know what strings you would like. If you have been playing guitar for more than a few months, you should know the answer to this question. Not knowing what strings you play is kind of like not knowing what size shoe you wear. Regular and average are not acceptable answers. (laughs) Neither is, I think they come in a blue box. Your repair tech has better things to do than to play 20 questions with you trying to extract this very basic information. I didn't read I didn't read that, that I didn't read this far into this article. That makes me laugh because that's true. That that makes me laugh. I, you would not believe how many players have no idea what kind of strings they want. You ask and they they get this look on their face like you just you ask them what blend of jet fuel they want. You know, they're like, what? what? You know, strings. You buy them all the time. Wow. Yeah. No, that's funny. That's hilarious. Yeah. Know what kind of strings you use. That's that's a good. That is a good point. Uh, number five, giving a solution instead of a problem. If you tell a guitar tech that your guitar doesn't seem to be staying in tune as well as it should, he or she will work with you and troubleshoot to find a solution that effectively solves the problem. If you tell a guitar tech that you want a new bridge installed on your guitar, it's not his or her job to second-guess you. If that new bridge doesn't solve the problem that you never told him or him him or her about, the text has still done the work he or she was given, and you'll still be expected to pay for that work. Save the guest... Save yourself the guesswork and let your tech know what needs fixing instead of telling him or her what you hope will fix it. Yeah, I run into that all the time, especially when I, not so much now, but when I worked at Emerald City, absolutely. I I always knew, you know, people would check in a guitar, maybe I was on lunch or it was my day off and I'd come back and look at it and it's checked in and it says, install locking tuners. You know, that's all it says. 
Right. Well, uh, you know, uh, that's when I pull out my crystal ball and I go, I betcha this customer has tuning problems. So I would rather them bring me the guitar and say, I have tuning problems. Right. I would much rather that because uh, putting locking tuners on a guitar that's having tuning problems is probably not going to fix it. Right. Yeah, so I totally get it. That's absolutely true. Number six, blaming the truss rod for every issue. To expand upon the previous point, please stop telling your tech about your truss rod. <laughs> no matter what foreseeable problem there may be, may, may be with the guitar, about 90% of all customers follow up with, I think the truss rod may need a slight yeah. adjustment. Mysterious buzzing coming from around the D-string? It's probably just the truss rod. Can you get your guitar to stay in tune? It's the truss rod. Wishing you had gone with a different color? Truss rod. Lay off the freaking truss rod. If wow. every problem could be solved with a truss rod adjustment, re instrument repair shops everywhere would have gone out of business a long time ago. That's hilarious. Uh, yeah, that's... I think that... I think that stems... He's exaggerating, obviously. Right. Obviously. But it's very funny. And he makes a good point. Uh, but I think that the reason for that, players who aren't tech-savvy at all, and that's fine. If you're a player that's not tech-savvy, no problem, you know. We're all, we all drive cars and we're not mechanics, right? So uh, that's no problem. But the truss rod is one of the only parts of the guitar that you can't see it. It's like a mysterious... And you, you know it's inside the neck... And you kind of know where to adjust it, but you don't know how, and you're not sure what exactly it does. So I can get, I, I get it that it's yeah. like, oh man, it's some weird problem with my guitar. It's probably that, that pesky truss rod. That mystical thing. Strange truss rod. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a very simple thing. So there's no reason to be, uh, no reason to feel that way about it. Ah, that was fun. I don't know. What are you going to do? Thank you, John Tyler Kent, for writing that, and then I found it and stole it. Uh, shall we take a... Uh, we do have a call. Shall we take a call? Yeah. Hello, Eric and Melissa. This is Peter from Belfast in Northern Ireland, long-time listener, lover of your show and of you both. It's a, Keep it up. It's great. Um, I think it was me who suggested to you you should go fortnightly with your show when you move to Idaho, and you laughed and laughed, but now you're going fortnightly. It's perfect, isn't it? Um, I've got a question for you about pickups. I'm curious about um, these kind of Z pickups that they have on some um, G&L guitars and also on, um, say, Fender Precision Bass pickups where you have, like, two halves of a pickup, in effect, covering three strings. If you wrap round the coil of the second bit of the second half of it back to front, then wouldn't you, in effect, have a humbucking pickup, but it would only be working like a single coil? Doesn't that answer the sort of long time question I'm just curious I haven't like tried this out anywhere but I wonder if you had any thoughts on it um, that's that keep it up I'll fire in some more soon I hope take care bye now thank you thank you so much for the call that is interesting he absolutely did he, he recommended a long time ago that we go every other week yeah but the reason we laughed is because because my husband is an uncultured swine. Yeah, I don't say fortnightly. I, and he didn't know. You, you didn't even know what it meant. Oh, sure. I'm sure I knew. I just. 
was, was probably pretending for your benefit just to make you laugh. Uh, the the Z-shaped or Z pickups, as they say in Belfast, the Z-shaped pickups uh, are really interesting. Those GNL pickups. Yeah, it's this. It's kind of the same design as a P-base pickup, where there are two coils on a base. It's one coil for two strings, and then another coil for the other two strings. On a guitar, it's a coil for the three bass strings, and then another coil for the three treble strings. And yes, absolutely, they're they're reverse wound and reverse magnetic polarity, so they're hum canceling, and it does get a a good single coil tone. Uh, while uh, eliminating the hum. The problem is, it changes the impedance, and uh, you either have to wire them together in series or in parallel, and it it just changes things enough that it's not truly a single coil. There's there's still a double coil, so it it does affect the tone. Uh, But uh, uh, it's a pretty neat trick. It's a great trick. Yeah. You know, it does eliminate the hum, and it gets a lot closer to single-coil tone than just about anything else does. But that's the, you know, the same thing uh, with any hum-canceling pickup. There, There's another coil. There's There has to be another coil. There's no other way to do it. Right. So there, there's either side-by-side coils uh, where... Um, you know, one of them just won't have magnets on one side, you know, so it's, right. kind, it's kind of like a Z pickup, but, uh, or, or they'll have a stacked uh, humbucker where they, there's a dummy coil underneath the top coil. Right. Yeah, so there's a number of ways to do it, but, but uh, no way to get a true sing- single coil with no hum. Hmm. Yeah, great question though. I like those Z-shaped pickups. They're they're cool. G and L. Have you seen those? No. They're, Are they literally Z-shaped? Yeah, kind of. Let me pull one up for you. They're um, I don't know what they call them. I can't remember. They're not. They're not Z. They're not Z pickups. Um, let's see what they're called. Uh, G and L, which is George and Leo. George Fullerton and. Leo Fender. I can't find them. Oh, here we go. <clears throat> they are. Uh, so I'm looking at a Comanche, a GNL Comanche, and uh, my computer doesn't work. But well, that's good. Yeah, it's. Oh, it's a beautiful candy apple red. Do you see how the pickups? Oh yeah. Jog okay. off so that it's it's like a it it's like a Z. So it looks like a. I was going to say Cyclops, but I guess it would be the opposite of, of Cyclops. Yeah. They are called the Magnetic Field Design Z-Coil Pickups, designed by Leo Fender himself. Apparently, it's one of the last things he designed before he he passed away. Wow. Yes. These pickups deliver a bright and sparkly top end while offering a robust bottom end, all without any 60-cycle hum. Yeah. Well, there you go. Cool. Yeah. I think they look cool. I do. I like them. They're not... Super traditional, but uh, yeah, they're, they're neat. I'm just realizing that the opposite of a cyclops is a normal person with two eyes. Whoa, that's weird. It's <laughs> <So that's laughs> a bit freaky. Okay, <laughs> we're gonna take a 
We're going to take a short break and come back with your questions. Liz here from Emerald City Guitars, located in the heart of historic Pioneer Square in downtown Seattle, Washington. We are one of the world's premier vintage guitar shops, going strong for over 22 years. Specializing in the most rare, the funkiest, and most collectible vintage and pre-owned electric guitars, acoustic guitars, amplifiers, and more. We cater to anyone and everyone, from the guy next door to collectors and famous rock stars. Not only do we pay top dollar for used gear, we also offer trade-ins and consignment. We also have in-house repair and offer free appraisals. We have a variety of social media accounts that we post our goods daily. Find us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at EC Guitars. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and see our daily episodes of the featured guitar pick of the day and reality of Emerald City Guitars shows. Give us a call to chat in person at 206-382-0231 and visit our online store at www.emeraldcityguitars.com. As you may already know, I make custom leather guitar straps. I hand make each strap from start to finish. I start with a hide of some of the finest vegetable tan leather on the market. Each hide is chosen for exceptional quality, color, and grain. If you haven't been to my website lately, you need to check it out. I've got a bunch of new strap designs and colors listed with more on the way. If you don't see the perfect strap, contact me with your custom order idea. Visit malcoleather.com to see examples of custom orders I've done in the past. If you're a dealer, I offer competitive wholesale pricing. Email malcoleather at gmail.com for details. Find me on Facebook, Instagram, and of course, Etsy. If you're listening to this, you get 15% off when you enter code FRETFILES at checkout at melcoleather.com. That's M-E-L-C-O leather.com. If you're a fan of the show, it has become obvious to you that I repair and restore guitars. I'm not a hobbyist. This is something I do full-time for a living, and I've done it for almost 25 years. If you have a guitar repair that you need help with, Consider sending it to me. I get repairs from all over the country. People send me guitars from far and wide, from Hawaii to Alaska to Florida, and I would love to help you with your guitar. I know a lot of people live in an area where they don't really have a tech or a repair guy that they can trust, or maybe it's a really complicated repair or a really special guitar to you that you don't want to just trust anybody. You can send it to me. I promise you'll be satisfied with the results. I rewind pickups, I restore vintage guitars, I do refrets, broken headstocks, neck resets, you name it, if it's broken on a guitar, I pretty much fix it. So I'd love to help you out. You can go to my website to read more about me and to see a price chart. Go to ericdaw.com, that's E-R-I-C-D-A-W.com. And if you need more information, you can contact me through that website by clicking the contact link and send me a message there and I'll get back to you. Um, so thank you for listening and now back to the show. All righty, let's do some uh, questions, shall we? Letters. We get letters. We get stacks and stacks of letters. Is it easy or possible to repair leather straps where the guitar strap button has worn out the strap hole? I'm going to defer, defer to my uh, talented leather worker wife on that one. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, that's from John Kirkpatrick. 
Um, yes, it is possible. There's two ways to do it. Um, the right way to do it would be to take two new pieces of leather, sandwich those around the end of the strap, make them all decorative and pretty, mm-hmm. sew them on, and then repunch the strap hole. That's the right way to do it. Mm-hmm. If you're looking for the quick and easy, dirty way to do it, cut that strap end off right above the hole, punch a new hole right above oh. above that. Yeah, because you'd only lose like an inch, and then you could, I'm sure it's an adjustable strap, so you could right. adjust it a little longer and then do a new hole. Yep. Here's what I thought you were going to say is uh, sew around the the worn hole. Yeah, you can do that, but... It's not going to last that long because that, that thread isn't going to stretch well enough to get over the the strap button. Yeah. So you're probably just going to snap the thread the first time you put it over the strap button. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Alrighty. <laughs> Thanks, John. Hi, Eric and Melissa. You should have a listen to Dan Carlin's Hardcore History podcast. Oh, yeah. he We were talking about what podcasts we listen to. Yes. Yeah. I have listened to that and... Uh, it's good, and I like Dan Carlin, but there's a little bit too much like beheading going on, and uh, it got to me. Yeah. I thought I don't. He's I don't, a very intense narrator. I want this like, negativity. You really in my get life. in. You really can get into it. Uh, I've listened to the his series on I think World War One mm-hmm. is the one I listened to. Yeah. Um, it's just the thing to listen to while refretting, which brings me to my big wine. I can't abide the way modern fret ends are finished. The bevel seems to be a cheesy shortcut that wastes part of the whole playing area. When I do, when I do it, I round them off so that they're like little chrome cut in half lengthwise frankfurters. Little chrome cut in half lengthwise frankfurters. There you go. Uh, it takes more time, but it does, but does a really good job. What do you reckon? Regards, Brett. Well, Brett, I'll, I'll tell you what it's uh, you. It, it it's a uh, it's a personal preference thing, and you'll find almost every luthier and guitar tech has their preferred way of doing fret ends. I actually really like a nice, crisp half moon fret end, the kind that you're describing that that you don't like. So it's personal preference. If I'm refretting a guitar for a customer and they don't like the way I do fret ends, I'll do them any way they want. But so, I, I let me get this right. He's he's got a fret, and then the ends are completely rounded off. Like if you're looking down from the top of the fretboard, mm-hmm. it looks like a hot dog. Mm-hmm. I've never seen a fret like that. Yeah, I've seen them. They're they're. Um, I don't like it. See, I think that looks modern and cheesy. Mm. Isn't that funny? He thinks the way I do fret ends is modern and cheesy. I think the way he's doing fret ends is modern and cheesy. Now, that's not to say that it uh, it's that it it's uh that it's not acceptable. It is. It's totally acceptable and it takes a lot of time and and uh Yeah, I imagine it's skill, difficult. You know? Yeah. But uh it takes it takes time and skill to do nice, good, crisp, straight fret ends too. So, so it's you know they both take plenty of time. Um, I just don't like. Uh, 
I don't know. I don't know how to, I don't know how to, it's an aesthetic thing to me. It's an aesthetic. I'm more of a vintage minded guy and I like Fred ends that look vintage correct. Well, you're wrong. Yeah, right. That's what I like, but you know, it's, it's, like I say, I leave it up to the customer if they have a strong preference. You'll find most players don't on when it comes to fret ends as long as it's not sharp to their hand they right. don't care right yeah well, thank you brett thanks brett dear pinup melco dynamic duo as always thanks for the show you guys go right to the top of my podcast when a new episode comes out that's so nice yeah that's a really nice thing to say i am currently looking for a cheaper living room acoustic I have a one-year-old daughter stumbling and crawling and walking around and grabbing a hold of everything, so I don't want to leave an expensive instrument out. At the same time, I would like to have a guitar accessible so she can play with it as early as possible. Hanging it on the wall is not an option due to non-existent wife acceptance factor. <laughs> uh, just a quick side note. I once had a friend over to our house... And she got into our living room and she said, it is so nice that you let your husband hang his guitars in here. <laughs> and it, it was shocking to me. Isn't it? Uh, with CITES regulations now in full swing, there are many changes to the woods that are used in new guitars. Makers invent material like Revbond? Is that how you say yeah, that? Yeah, I don't know. Revbond for fingerboards, which as far as my research goes is some kind of laminate. Or move from rosewood fingerboards to Indian laurel. Online opinions in Indian laurel range widely, including comments on how this is really not well suited for fingerboards at all. I'm totally open to any wood that works, but there are so many changes going on now that I am sure some of these experiments will not work out. I'm sure we will find out over time, but since you touch so many guitars all the time, I thought you might already have some experience. Anything to stay away from based on your experience? Thanks for your thoughts, Axel. Cool. Thanks, Axel. Uh, yeah, I tell you what, um, what came to my mind was the uh, budget Martin guitars that are mostly made out of, uh, I don't know what they're made out of, but it's not wood. wood. It's not oh, wood? Well, <laughs> like the DX, <clears throat> the DX series that uh, I think it has a spruce top. But the 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 back is some kind. Of, they, well, they call it HPL. It's which, what is it? Uh, high like high pressure laminate. So it's like a laminated. I don't think it's laminated wood. I think it's a laminated, like a, you know, it's not carbon fiber either. Who? What is it? What is that stuff? It's probably it's like, wood paste or it's something. It's like you know when there's a laminate countertop in your kitchen. Uh -huh. It's that same stuff. It's laminated. You know industrial strength stuff yeah high pressure laminate and uh then they they paste a really nice picture of some wood on it oh yeah so they call it mahogany patterned hpl which sounds nice. oh yeah sounds like hey mahogany hey yeah it's a picture of mahogany but here's the thing it, they're really cheap they're like three four hundred dollars and they, and they have nice? a yeah they're fine i mean for three or four hundred dollars yeah they're fine but the they they usually I, the ones I'm thinking of the ones that I'm thinking of have a spruce top, a composite back and sides, 
and then some kind of weird composite fingerboard that looks kind of ebony-ish, but it's like Bakelite or something. And then the neck is uh, usually um, a multi-laminated little tiny strips, laminated strips of wood. Hmm. Yeah. Those cool. are those are nice. Those are, I mean, that's just what I thought of. I don't know because um, it's a guitar that you don't care if if it gets if it gets knocked over by your one year old daughter stumbling around the uh, living room there, right? Yeah, I'm glad that you want to keep it within reach for her though. Cause that's yeah. cool. And it's not a guitar that's going to be affected by CITES regulations at all. Yeah, so. Yeah, a cheaper living room acoustic, that's kind of what I would think would be one of those low-end Martin DX. I think that's what they're called, DX? I don't know. DXL? D- DX1AE. Here's one. It's $599. Well, that still seems like a lot. Well, I guess so. They have them for cheaper. I think 399 is f- for a uh, uh, Martin. Let's find out. Let's Martin DX. I think it's just called the DX. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so used their... Oh, okay, they also have a Martin X series. And the DX... DX1 is three ninety nine, American. There you go. Yeah. That's pretty cheap. So, uh, what about your experience on Rosewood Alternatives? Well, uh, th- so these... Low-end Martins have uh, the fiber, high-pressure laminate fiber fingerboard, and it's fine. Well, but I think that he's asking two separate questions. Okay. The, uh, there's, uh, yeah, there's really no substitute. I mean, what can I say? I don't, <clears throat> I don't really, I don't mind Palfero. I know a lot of people hate it. They think it looks like cheap rosewood, but uh, I like the look of it. It's much grainier, and it looks a little bit like old Brazilian rosewood, if especially if you dye it just a little bit. But uh, there's also a wood called catalox or catalosh, depending on who you ask, but K-A-T-A-L-O-X. Uh, they also call it Mexican ebony. But it, yeah, that's what they call it. I don't know. But uh, it's it's a nice um, it's a nice rosewood substitute, and it's not uh, s- subject to the uh, CITES restrictions. But man, nothing beats nothing beats good old fashioned illegal Brazilian rosewood. But you can't get it. Well, you can, but you shouldn't. And uh, I don't use it. But man, my old guitars that have br- Brazilian rosewood, I just love. I love it so much. Just because of the look? Yeah, the look, the feel, the everything about it. It's also a... It's it's also... It's one of those things where because it's been banned, it just makes it that much more desirable. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You can't mm-hmm. get it. And they have, old, you know, old growth. Like, oh, this is pre-ban Brazilian. Yeah, right. This is... Yeah, right. It's poached. Well... How much really can there be? I, I was talking to a friend of mine about this a long time ago. Like, shouldn't we have run out of pre-67, pre-ban, you know, harvested uh, 
yeah. ivory and Brazilian rosewood. Shouldn't we have run out a long time ago? It's 2018. Yeah. We should, I think we, I feel like we would have run out by now. You make a good point there, sir. Anyhow, there's a few alternatives for you. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, Axel. But you could just buy one of them, their plastic Martins, and you don't have to worry about it. <laughs> uh, regarding the acoustic strap button problem from last episode, I put a bag's lyric on my guitar and had the same problem. The button was larger than the available hole, which is a problem we all have every now and then. What? Uh, the answer came in with the Diodario Cinch Fit. It's a two-piece plastic collar on a lanyard that attaches to the strap. The two pieces snap together with magnets around the strap button, and a cinch keeps the whole thing snug. No leather needs to be stretched. Russ. Interesting. Thanks, Russ. I, I've not heard of those. I like that whenever there's a little problem, somebody comes up with a gadget to fix it. I think that's cool. Isn't that beautiful? Yes. Diodario cinch fit. Cool. It, it fits around your strap button and keeps your strap on the button. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Russ. Thanks for the heads up. We didn't know about it. <clears throat> when you wax pot a pickup, do you literally dip it in a pot of hot wax, or is it more complicated than that? Thanks for the show, Ed. Thanks, Ed. I like your question. It's simple and to the point. Yeah, pretty much. I do dip it in a pot of hot wax. It's not, um, you know, it's it has to be a specific temperature, and I use a very specific blend of paraffin and beeswax. It's roughly eighty percent paraffin, twenty percent beeswax, and I like it to be about one hundred and forty-five degrees. But aside from those parameters, yeah, that's about it, you know. And um, don't you have a length of time you put it in there? For not really until the bubbles come out. Until the bubbles are done coming out, oh. you know, typically, but yeah. And then uh, I usually, you know, once the bubbles come out and, and once the pickup gets heated up to the temperature of the wax, mm-hmm. um, the wax can really flow really well. So if you if you try to just dip it real quick, what you end up with is... Uh, You've made a pickup candle. You could light the leads on fire and it would burn for hours. You know what I mean? It's like encased in wax. Right. But you have to let the pickup warm up to the temperature of the wax. Oh, so that it can flow so inside that the pickup. totally flows inside the pickup. Because you'll see it, when you dip it in the wax, you'll see a bunch of wax harden around the pickup and go milky. Uh-huh. Because when it's melted, it's clear. Right. And when it, when it hardens and cools, it it goes opaque. opaque. Mm-hmm. So you'll see a bunch of wax go opaque around the pickup. And then as the pickup reaches the temperature of the wax, all of that opaqueness disappears. And the wax is really fluid all throughout the pickup. At that point, and when the bubbles have stopped coming out of it, I take it out and directly put it in to a a bunch of paper towels and kind of squeeze it and soak up all the extra wax out of it. Mm-hmm. I know some people use a vacuum uh, system to suck up all the wax. Like they, they'll literally wax pot it in a vacuum and oh. get the wax out that way. 
but um, I just use paper towels and soak up all the extra wax. You know, I'll I'll hang it over the pot for just a, a few seconds and let the extra wax drip off and then put it right into a paper towel, soak up all the hot wax, and at that point, then I charge the magnets. That's That's what I do. Cool. Yeah, thanks for the question, Ed. My answer was much longer than your question. <laughs> Help, I'm sick. My, oh, we're not doctors. Yeah. Uh, my heirloom Martin D28 that I inherited from my dad just cracked. What do I do? I wish there was some way to uncrack this. I'm just sick about it. How structurally sound are crack repairs, and will it always be ugly? Mm. It's a crack that runs from the bridge down to the end block area. How much will this cost to repair? Will the repair be invisible? Thanks for your time, Richard in Montana. Thanks, Richard. Man, I'm so sorry that happened, but it does happen, and this is the time of year that it happens. You have to make sure those guitars are happy. Um, humidity is really important, especially in vintage acoustic guitars, because they will crack. Even, you know, new ones, too. They will crack if they get too dry. I'm so sorry yours cracked. But it's a very common thing, and uh, it can be repaired soundly and the structurally, you know, perfectly fine. Um, depending on how bad the crack is, you know, you, most repair guys would put a cleat across the crack to keep it from coming open again. On the inside. Mm -hmm. Yes, of course, on the inside. I use hot hide glue. Uh, that's what I like to use. The reason being is that uh, new and old hide glue work well together, so if it ever does open up back again, then it can be re-glued with hot hide glue with no problems. If you use a modern glue like Tight Bond, then if it opens up again, new Tight Bond doesn't stick to old Tight Bond very well at all, and it can be very difficult to get that crack to behave if it was glued with tight bond. So I like to use hot hide glue and then put a few cleats on the inside. And uh, will it be invisible? I can't really promise you that. You know, no tech really can. No repair guy really can. You know, I'll certainly do my best and try to make it as invisible as possible, but I can't uncrack it. You know? You know what I mean? Uh, how much will this cost to repair, he asks. Um, a lot of repair guys go per inch, uh, I, which I think on my website it, I do have a per inch thing. I always have to, I always have to look at my own chart because I never remember what, how much I charge on stuff. But uh, uh, my guess is, you know, 120 bucks, something like that to have just the crack glued up, cleated. You know, a lot of times you have to rehumidify the guitar first. So, and that takes time. So, you know, we have to kind of rehumidify the guitar and then glue the crack and then cleat it. Uh, yeah, so my website says crack repair $30 minimum and up. I mean, it just depends, but that sounds like a pretty long crack you've got there and the guitar's probably really dry. So... It probably needs to be rehumidified and acclimated and then glued up and then the cleats. So, you know, 120 would be two hours worth of work at 60 bucks per hour, which is what I charge. 
there, so you, there go. you go. I didn't. I don't know if you were thinking about sending it to me or not, but Richard, if you'd like to, you you should contact me about that. Thank you, Richard. My pots are crackling when I rotate them on my 70s fender. Do I need to replace the pots like my tech suggested, or is there another solution? I seem to remember that you can rebuild pots. Thanks, Tom. Hmm, I don't think they need to be rebuilt. Uh, and yeah, that is something I talked about once. I don't remember what I w- what we were talking about, but yeah, I've taken pots apart before and put them back together for various reasons. Your pots, if if all they're doing is crackling when you turn them, they probably only need to be cleaned, which is so easy and so cheap. You just need to spray a good quality contact cleaner inside the pot and then turn the knob several times. Then you're done. That's it. That should be it. There are cases where pots have been used so much that they're worn out. And that could be the case with yours, but I really doubt it. It's actually kind of rare. Nine times out of ten, if not more, all you have to do is clean the pot and then it comes back to life. No problem. Especially on the really well-made vintage pots, like yours is a 70s Fender. Back when we were actually still making things that worked in this country, uh, that's probably all it needs is, is a good cleaning. So no, don't let your tech replace those because that's uh, it hurts the value to have those replaced. You want to keep that guitar as original as possible. Did you say what to clean them with? Yeah, a high-quality contact cleaner spray. The, the one I use is called Deoxit 5. Deoxit. Hmm. Yeah. Cool. Okay. There you go. Well, that does it for this episode of the Fret Files podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Remember to send me a guitar horror story if you have one for me, and we'll use it next episode. Go to my website, ericdaw.com. Click the contact link. Submit it there, or any comment or question that you might have, submit it there. The other way to do it is to call 757-774-8482, and you can leave a voicemail for me there. You can also text that number. So, several ways to do it. Anyhow, thanks for listening. That's that's the questions. We're done. We're out of here. Thank you so much. We'll see you next time. Good night. Good night.